0: your undercarriage, Rusty? Suffering from aradophobia. Do you want to know about the birds and the bees? Then tune in to Shagnet. A sex and love advice show.
1: Wednesdays from 6 until 7 p.m. Send your burning queries, queries in. into shagnetfm oh. at umich.edu. Afternoon. You're listening to the Living Writers Show. Uh, my name is T Hetzel, and today I'm lucky to have Nami Moon here in the at the the radio station. Um, welcome, Hi. Nami. Hi, T. Um, we're so glad you're here. We we kind of cut off the song right before it hit its like apex. I right. guess I guess we're the apex.
2: Okay, <laughs> I'll I'll go with that.
1: Okay. Um. So I. Uh, I'm going to now introduce Nami Moon in, in uh, by reading her by way of reading her bio. Um, so, Nami Moon was born in Seoul, Korea, and was raised there as well as in Bronx, New York. Employed since the seventh grade, she has worked as a door-to-door Avon lady, a dance hostess, a street vendor, a photojournalist, a bartender, and a criminal investigator. Um, we might be hearing a little bit more about some of those uh, jobs, writer jobs. <laughs> she, she is currently a lecturer at the University of Michigan. And in 2007, she received a Pushcart Prize, as well as scholarships and residencies from the Corporation of Yaddo, the McDowell Colony Eastern Frontier, Bread Loaf Writers Conference, conference and Key West Literary Seminar. In recent years, she was awarded scholarships to attend Squaw Valley Writers' Conference and the Tin House Writers' Conference and was named by Tin House as an Emerging Voice of 2005. She has fully emerged, ladies and gentlemen. Her stories have been published in the 2007 Pushcart Prize Anthology, The Iowa Review, Tin House, Evergreen Review, Witness, and other journals. A graduate of UC Berkeley, she received her MFA in 2007 from the University of Michigan. That brings us to the present, where she garnered a Hopwood Award for Fiction and the Farrar Prize and the Theater Associates Award for Drama. Welcome, Nami Moon. woo Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we need the, the studio audience applauding now. <laughs> Everybody, we'll just have to imagine it, like the sound of the ocean. Don't we have a soundtrack for that? Like a <laughs> That's true. We could get track? some okay. sound effects. Right? <laughs> and now for the dog barking. Right. Now, so so Nami, what just is like a, 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 a wind-up question. What's your favorite breakfast? Breakfast. What, what do you eat in the morning? Oh, my God. I had
2: no idea you were going to ask me that question. Um, I think I have to say lox and bagels. Ooh. With cucumber and capers. Everything bagel toasted. Yeah, that's pretty much it.
1: Yeah, the everything bagel, right? Yeah. Everything bagel, yeah. Not too salty. Do you get them at Zingerman's, or where do you okay. get your bagels? I, I, it
2: does not not matter. It, just, it doesn't matter at all. It just I'll just take it. I'll just eat it. Take yeah. everything. It's all good. Irish breakfast tea on Ooh, top of that. Okay. Yeah. Irish
1: rather than English. Oh, I can't stand English <laughs> A snob. Just, just so you know, I think my my mom just went to England, so I think the family might be listening. So hello, oh, I'm sorry. England! I love English breakfast tea; it's the best tea. No, look, don't let that sway you. Okay, you okay. just stay with what you like. I no, know, I'm such a was. It's a time okay. capsule of Nami Moon at the moment. Okay, so. Irish breakfast tea. That's it. Okay. 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 All right. Well, now that we've got that, um, this this is an impressive. This is a very professional um, bio that we have here. <laughs> lots of um, lots of big names that we'll maybe we'll talk. About a little bit later, and, okay. Um, but uh, let's 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 talk a little bit about um, some of your your jobs because it's right there at the beginning. It, so it seems like an important thing to you. You've been working. You've been employed since the seventh grade. So how does yeah. that what how does that inform your your writer life? Um. Well, I think.
2: Well, the collection that I'm working on right now is. Um, uh, it's sort of structured around um, the jobs that this protagonist has had for about five years, and so I guess I, I, I guess I, I believe working and having jobs is pretty important um, for a character, um, but. So the stories sort of begin with, you know, like in one, one, one story she sold, she sells Avon door-to-door. Another story, she is a dance hostess working in a club. Another story, she sells um, newspaper, but she sells the protagonist, um, my narrator. Sells, What's her name? Her name is June, June, J-O-O-N. And does she have a last name? Is that introduced at all through Not, the stories? No. I haven't seen it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just her first name.
1: J- J-O-O-N.
2: J-O-O-N. And, um... She sells, like, sheets of newspaper, old newspaper on the subways. So it's sort of structured around those jobs.
1: I see, yeah. okay and so that's why it's in your, your bio because when you're sending out the collection, yeah, right, then it'll be... Hopefully, a, right. But, how, but okay well then, but how many times do people then turn around and ask you how much of this is fiction and how much of your your stories are autobiography?
2: Yeah, I, every time I do a reading, pretty much one person will come up and ask me that question whether it's autobiographical or how much of it is autobiographical I usually ignore them when they. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I answer them. I, I usually tell them that it's loosely based on real life events, but the entire book is really pretty much all fiction.
1: And is that does that satisfy them, or do they say? No, they keep asking. They do. Yeah. Kind it, of like I am now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, but you know, I think almost everything that we write. Whether you're writing something that's completely based on fiction, I mean, it has some autobiographical strains to it, right? Right. Don't you think? Of course, yeah. Especially
1: in poetry. Right? That's yeah. Well, yeah, and everything because right. that's what that's the what the the knowledge the interior knowledge is what you'll be right. infusing into the stories
2: subconsciously. So even, even though right? I might be writing about, it, let's say, a skydiver, even though I've never. Uh, I've never jumped out of a plane I not might yet. still not yet that's not going to happen um, but I might still you know infuse that character with some of my own feelings about let's say I don't know fear you know desperation you know
1: right but the regular the, the regular, regular stuff, things yeah. the everyday stuff
2: that I feel every day.
1: Right. Right. I, I would mean. add to that list yeah. anxiety, anxiety. Um, obsession night sweats right, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense, right? Yeah. Because, and that's that's why I think that I, when you say that, it makes complete sense. Because there's some moments in your stories. Um, I've been um, lucky enough. Uh, Nami sent three three new stories that she's ber- been working on this summer to me to read, and there are these wonderful moments of insightful. I mean, they're everywhere. I'm sort of rustling through paper now to get to the, the like one that I. I've marked, and here's um, from from Nami's story, Narcotics Anonymous. There's a moment that's built toward where um, a character who's been wearing a chicken suit says, "I've never felt closer to the truth until that day. Whatever was flowing through my body that night, that was real. That anger was so clean. I mean," and then it goes on from there. Um, but these moments of of tremendous insight and. Um, And a character, uh, June, the protagonist that Nami mentioned, said uh, at a certain point, yeah, I searched to say something really important but came up empty. But I really like the sugar cookies. (laughs) Like, that's a moment where you think it's so real. Oh, thanks, T.
2: Um, Yeah, I think... I mean, that particular story, it's about two recovering uh, drug addicts who are taking a break from their na- Narcotics Anonymous meeting. And well, the one to guy, have a smoke. to have a smoke. <laughs> Apparently, smoking is fine. Um, smoking obsessively is fine. Um, but he tells this story about how he. Um, puts on a chicken suit to try and woo back a girlfriend Uh, he goes to her house goes to her apartment and um, realizes that some other man is living there with her now and he starts to binge and grabs all of the alcohol in her closet no one's home he's he's at her place alone in a chicken suit in alone. a chicken suit yeah. alone and he starts drinking drinking everything and then at some point he has to urinate but he can't seem to get out of his chicken suit so he has to <laughs> s- cut cut uh, that portion of the chicken suit open so he can urinate but then he's held it in for so long he ends up just sort of urinating all over the linoleum then he gets this bright idea that he wouldn't mind urinating on their couch and their bed and he ends up urinating and he drinks he drinks more so he can urinate more and he actually ends up urinating like the final thing i think is he pees inside her shampoo bottle, which I thought that was too much. I should it's have going too idea. far. Yeah, going too
1: far. But he's describing how... And you know, I, I'd just like to also point yeah. out that I think you're the person, at least uh, as far as um, that I know, as long as I've been in the seat, that has managed to say urinate as many times within like one minute. <laughs> so that's a new record that's for the Living Ra- Writers All Show. Right, awesome. Not to, be, not to be rude. I mean, it's, it's a natural function. I was going to say other words, but I thought urinate was much more professional. <laughs> (laughs) It's multi-syllabic. Yeah. It's it's the smart word to use.
2: It starts with the U, so I'm including the reader in all of it. Um, Wow, that's deep. But I'm sorry, I didn't
1: mean to cut you off.
2: But then he's talking about afterwards how, you know, now he's sober and he's telling this story. He's sober. He's been clean for, you know, several months and, and actually several years. But he's talking about how at that moment when he was doing that, was the most honest moment that he's ever experienced and it was very true for him. Filled with sort of like crystal clear um, truth of who he was and he feels like being sober and being clean now is, is actually more of a lie. And so,
1: I don't know. Which is, that's an interesting idea, isn't it? Because everyone's yeah. saying you, you're masking the true self. It's right. not a way to it. Although William Burroughs would say the opposite it would be a way to finding out about the self right
2: it's i mean you know alcohol isn't necessary i mean it's a it reveals who you are unfortunately (laughs) (laughs) for most of us it's not a good thing but you know same thing with money people say oh money changes people it doesn't change people it actually reveals you that's what money does
1: really okay so this is that's what I think then you see someone's like true true colors yeah it just sort of reveals
2: who you are I think you know deep inside you know the stuff that we mask every day yeah kind of like right now how I'm asking no I'm just kidding no no
1: this is the <laughs> true Nami moon on September 12 2007 <laughs> so the chicken suit what well, sick suit not chicken soup chicken soup um, so that was great that was and so that's your story and these are linked stories so you right. mentioned that mm-hmm. um, is the whole is the whole collection when you when you're thinking your current project, is is it um, very focused so that that everything you're working on right now is, is a, a story of, in this collection? Yeah. Or are there other... Uh, no, actually somebody asked me that. Um, I didn't realize until
2: recently that I've been working on this collection for nearly eight It'll be eight years in January. And... I have not written, everything that I've ever written in the last eight years has been for this collection. So I've been working on this collection and nothing else for the last seven and a half years.
1: Does that feel like um, you're getting closer to the truths in the stories that you started, the reasons you started writing this collection, you're getting closer to understanding why? Or do you feel like it's an imaginative world that um, is as close to you as the real like the the real one I think think when I
2: started the collection I had this sort of vague notion of the kind of the the emotions I wanted the reader to feel That's, that's basically it Mm-hmm. That's basically what I started off with. Um, and I recently finished the collection uh, while I was at um, this writers' conference at Yaddo. So how many stories uh, is it? There are 12. 12 stories. Yeah, 12 stories. And, it, and it's actually finished. Uh, it's finished. I'm just doing some light uh, line editing stuff, and then I'm going to send it off to my
1: agent and hopefully she can tell it. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. That's really wonderful news. Yeah. So, so eight years. Almost eight years. Almost eight years in the
2: making. I'm very loyal. I think. I've
1: been loyal to this book, I think. Yeah, the dedication in that, yeah. the the diligence. Well
2: I also realize that I've also been dating uh the same man for the last seven and a half years.
1: Gus Rose.
2: Gus Rose. So I don't know if there's I don't know. Also uh, a writer. Also a writer. Excellent writer. Yes. He's also very cute.
1: And a novelist.
2: And a novelist. Right. Good cook.
1: Okay. All of those things, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, as we sing Gus's praises, let's go. We'll take a short break and we'll be right back with Nami Moon. Okay. just joining us um at the 4:30 <laughs> hour mark or half hour mark um we've actually had 15 um wonderful moments with Nami Moon writer Nami Moon um because we started living writer show started at a new time 4:15 so that'll be our new time slot um till the end of the world as we know it 4:15 oh to 5:15 <laughs> Um, Wait, I have to so, tell you one thing. Yeah, Nami. No, the song that we just listened
2: to, yeah. Pins and Needles, do you know who wrote that song? You'll be shocked. No. The original. Well, that was the Ramones that we just played right. Who right? wrote it? There's the this original. guy named Bob Nietzsche wrote
1: it with Sonny Bono. Can you believe of that? Sonny and Cher? Sonny, Sonny and, Sonny and Cher. Cher, yeah. Can you believe that? <laughs> It kind of had that, um, now that you mention it, that, that the, the, the guitar quality seemed very, yeah. um, like you and me, babe or yeah. something. Oh, good point. You and me, babe. That's right. You That's and me, T and Nami. That's so right. So all the music that we're hearing has, um, are Nami picks. Basically this is music that, uh, why did you, what is the music about? Want to tell us like a brief bit? And I, just,
2: I just pick songs that kind
1: of make me happy
2: for whatever reason. I'm not really sure. Um, but that Needles and Pins by, by the Ramones is that one of my really faves, definitely. That was that was great. Yeah. I love that. But anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just thought that was important information that I should share with the
1: world. Exactly. That and Sonny Bono, Bono wrote the original. And he, and like, rest in peace, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's gone. Okay. Um, and I think it's kind of great that you, you've brought in music that makes you happy, because I think that's important because your stories have such a, um, and, and and you just said in the, the in the first part of the show you mentioned that you started writing them um, for an emotive quality that was present, mm. right? That that was just for the emotion, a, yeah, emotion and emotion exactly from the reader? to
2: listen elicit, elicit a certain kind of emotion for the reader. Um, I that's pretty much how I start most of my stories. Like, what kind of a feeling do I want? Mm. It starts very general that way.
1: So you go for a feeling, and then. Uh, like what do you move to images like how are you because that's what I've been telling my students right. recently so that's what I like images right from right, right. what you picture what's right. the first thing that you comes well, to your
2: well head. actually what I I mean, I I mean I have the emotions in mind um especially when you know working on a collection like this where you know once st- not every single story Uh, you know, these stories need to give different emotions so that, you know, it makes a lovely whole, you know, as a book. But what I try to do when I'm writing is I I think about the emotion, but when I'm writing, I really concentrate on the surfaces of things, like describing, you know, the surfaces of things. Mm -hmm. And hopefully with the emotion in mind and the surfaces my my descriptions will sort of pick up the emotions that i'm trying to allay
1: without it being obvious exactly, where, where right. you're not s- stating it outright right. so when you're saying you're writing about the surface of things would that be um like talking about o'brien's like a setting in the bar um and the people who are in the bar but just describing it um Sort of writing, writing it not, okay, not flat, but direct. Very
2: direct, yeah. Just very sort of, I try and just sort of give it as is um, without putting too much um, of the writerly stroke to it. Yes. Um, And just try to describe things as cleanly as possible. Um, And, you know, obviously turns some people off <laughs> some people like that i'm not sure but you know right, that's, right. but that's, that's what your intention is right, that's my intention to key, there, it's a this narrator is somewhat of a detached um emotionally detached person and there's reasons for that but there are reasons for that yeah. in, in her history right right she goes through some traumatic things and so you know someone who's experienced some sorts of trauma um, they have a tendency to be a little bit detached to their own
1: emotions right but that, but then um following from what you were saying a moment ago then but but in in the actions of of the protagonist and the characters around you see um, you see what's driving them right. by what they end up actually doing
2: on the page. Right. And, and what they end up saying or not saying. Not saying is actually more important
1: sometimes than what they end up saying. Right. Right. I don't notice as, I don't, it, but it's interesting that you say that because I don't notice as much, you don't take us into the interior, at least in the three stories that I've I've just read, right. of the character, of June's mind, the protagonist. Um, so does that mean that you've actually had on the page, um, things more things that more dialogue and then you've you've taken it out a, yeah, as a choice is that what you're saying definitely
2: okay. definitely it's sort of like a who's that painter i'm trying to think of a uh, uh, friend bacon he usually starts off with a perfectly uh, normal portrait and then he starts swiping away sections of it and, and then we have that the end result which is it looks horrifying and terrifying <laughs> but that's sort of what i do with my i mean i i tend to write more and then I sort of sculpt away the excess, and uh-huh. then try to sort of, you know,
1: make it lean as possible. There we go. That's great. I just <laughs> I just pounded on the table a little bit then. Um, so can you read us? Will you read us a piece of one of your new stories? Sure. I'll just read
2: just the first two pages of a, a, a story that I was working on over the summer.
1: <clears throat> and this
2: comes later on in the collection um, when she's. Um, has gone back to drug use, um, and she's unfortunately hooked up with this uh, guy named Benny, who
1: uh, Was that intentional, using a name like Benny? You mean because of Benzedrine? Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm getting at. <laughs> Darn it. You know all my secrets, T. No no, no, no. No, Yeah, it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was really? intentional. Yeah. I definitely think about names. Um, okay, so this is a story called What We Had. And like I said, I'm just going to read a couple of pages. <clears throat> and one day I woke up. I woke up with Benny next to me and next to him, a girl I didn't know. We were living in a motel where black wire snaked down from a hole in the ceiling, guiding the rain onto the foot of our bed. The girl could have been anybody, a teller, a waitress, a checkout girl from the AMP waiting for a bus in the storm, anyone willing to drown with him. I sat up and looked for their gear. I found it on the floor, soaking in a Dixie cup, the water a little pink from the blood, the Q-tip heads rubbing alcohol a large soup spoon with a handle wrapped in band-aid, things we used to share. The room smelled of warm vinegar. Somewhere under our blankets, the radio sang low, muffled enough for me to think that the sound was coming from somewhere in my chest. She was blonde like the others, and he was hugging her, wrapping his long, white body around hers in a tight braid, wanting to dream her dreams. She was smiling, she had thin skin. I could see the system of veins on the back of her hand and the black hole just above her wrist, a pencil mark, a start of a scab. His back was to me, and I took that to mean something. I reached over them across the bed to grab his cigarettes and a box of matches on the nightstand. I coughed, cleared my throat twice, and rattled the tiny box like I was trying to guess what was inside it. When he didn't wake I struck a match and dropped it in his ear. He shot up, slapping the side of his face over and over like a dog. I slipped out of bed without saying a word. Fuck, what was that? He rubbed his eyes and then stared blankly at the TV before rubbing his eyes some more. Maybe you were dreaming, I said. Outside the rain tried to break through the glass. I put on all the clothes I owned two pairs of socks, three tees, a pair of pants, two sweaters, and my jacket. I'm not coming back, I said. He lay back down with his eyes already shut, pulled a girl in closer, draped her arm across his cracker-thin chest, and their bodies took over the bed and the pillow that had held the shape of me. I left without slamming the door. It was sunny and raining, Blades of white light cut through the clouds and shined on the glassy tubes of rain as they streaked the air and tapped my jean jacket. I stood across the street from the motel and counted to 20 and then 40 to the beat of the neon sign blinking next to our window. Psychic, the sign said again and again. I counted past 60 without much thought and went up to 100, twice. First in English and then Korean. Benny didn't come out for me. I knew he wouldn't, but I wanted to make sure. Two-legged umbrellas crossed the street, threading themselves between cars and dump trucks and vans that were honking at a bus making a lazy turn. My hair felt stiff and cold. Maybe I would have waited years for Benny if the weather had been different, if I hadn't looked down and noticed the rainwater rushing against the curb and the Barbie head Her hair, splayed like wings above her face, stuck behind a to-go carton lying on its side. The water slid over her eyes and nose and lips that kissed the carton until the weight of all that came before her
1: propelled her down Hemming Street. It was as good a direction as any. Thank you, Nami. Thank you, and that was and that was from the story what we had what we had yeah and so um, <clears throat> so when when you're arranging the stories is it going to be in a chronological order is that how we're going to yeah uh, pretty uh, much it's we we take. Um,
2: I have five years of her life as a runaway Mm -hmm. from, you know, pretty much the month that she's run away from home when she was 13, and then we follow her until 18. In this story that I just read, she's um, roughly like 17
1: years old. Okay. And so... Why? I, what? What was your? Why did you make the choice to to write linked stories rather than a novel? Like, What? what mm. What's the? What's the difference? Or what? What were th- things that were advantages? Or- that's a really
2: good question. I wish I could say that I made that choice, except, you know, I think I just, when I, uh, the first story that I wrote, which I wrote in 2000, I was called Club It. I had no idea, really, that I was working on a longer project. I thought I was just writing a story. And that was in 2000? That was in
1: 2000. And how how did that start? Like, when did you write, was that, because you lived in San Francisco for a while, right? right? Mm-hmm. And so was that when you were in the writing group, or was it before the writing group that you were? I was in a writer's group in... And just a
2: private, you know, we met it, you know, in our living rooms. It was very casual. Um, from people that had, writers that I'd met at UC Berkeley, um, and. I, it was my turn to turn in a story. I don't know. <laughs> and so I thought, oh, I better write something really good or try. <laughs> no pressure there. Well, everyone else was sort of much more advanced than I was in their writing. Or had been writing you know, longer. You know, they'd been or? writing longer. And, you know. Um, so that was a story that I wrote um and then I just had more and more stories Um, it just kept, I don't know it just kept coming and after about four of those I realized okay this is all about the same girl and you know we have all of these different things that she gets into so that's when I started thinking about collection of short stories, I just, the whole idea of a novel hadn't even entered my mind that was just not the way these stories were coming out, it didn't feel like a novel uh, at all you know it just felt right the way it was coming out which were in short
1: stories, which which are sort of they are universes unto themselves. Then,
2: yeah, they're hopefully they're self-contained, and um,
1: and each one obviously has
2: its own little arcs. But then, um, I've when I put them all together, hopefully the large uh, the larger arc is visible when you read the whole book. Right. So you follow her through ups and downs, you know, in this sort of, a, in the entire book. But then within each one, you know, she has little ups and downs there as well. Right, right. And they're and, not all necessarily about her either. Some stories are about other
1: characters, her
2: friends, people that she meets and such.
1: Okay, who yeah. were introduced to maybe in an earlier story right. and then they, they come back Right. And have more time in, or given more attention in exactly. their own story. Exactly, like Benny is in a story that
2: you know comes before this, and he's he's in a couple of stories. Um, so I have several recurring characters.
1: I see. Mm. Okay. And so, had you read? Okay. So, um, maybe I'm thinking of this because uh, in in one of my classes we'll be reading Dennis Johnson's Jesus's Son. Yeah. So so that that this this reminds me of what what he was up to.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Bit. Definitely, I was very influenced by um, G- uh, that book, Jesus' Son, and also his other book called Angels, which which is actually a novel. But um, the first book I would say that really influenced me was actually Hubert Selby Jr., which not that many people, for some reason, his name isn't that well known um, in, in certain circles for whatever reason. But Hubert Selby Jr. wrote... Uh, Last Exit to Brooklyn, which was made into a film. Um, and also he wrote Requiem for a Dream, which was okay. also made into a film. Yes. The so he's, he's more well-known, I guess, after you've seen the movies. But um, Last Exit to Brooklyn, just when I read it... Um, blew me away and literally my mind was blown away
1: <laughs> wow okay i'll have to read that one then this yeah. is so this is your recommendation for you know when everyone gets a chance to to oh, read definitely. a book that's outside of the or i would say curriculum. make that chance make it, <laughs> make, happen. it make it happen Go out <laughs> and read it. okay so we're uh make it happen we're gonna take a short break and we'll be right back We'll be right Back, you're listening to the Living Writers Show. My name is T Hetzel, and today uh, we have Nami Moon here in the studio with us. If you're just joining, joining us, um, so um, so we're just talking about Nami's picks for for um, <laughs> for, for reading DJ Shadow and and yes, and uh, maybe a little known fact or no? Well, maybe if you're from uh, if you're in Ann Arbor, you might have noticed Nami Moon actually on a dance floor around town. It's because moves be, are you would know Well her.
2: known, I think
1: that's yeah. right you've got can you tell us a couple I think you've even named them uh,
2: one is the toast in the toaster. That's It's tough, because we're on radio, and so you can't really see my moves that I'm doing right now as we speak. It's, um, it's true. It's true. Well, If only. Know, yeah. But I, people can imagine it. That's sort of the magic of radio, right? The, the, Basically, you have to... Well, never mind. I'm not going to try and explain. Okay. Basically, the toast in the toaster dance starts with your left hand, which is the piece of toast. You insert it into the toaster. Your right hand... Plops down the toast. the What do you call it? The the lever. The lever. Yeah. You wait for a little bit. You dance. You move. And and you then, move your head. You kind right, of head bob. So your head bob a little. Bit. Okay. Then you push it, the lever again, and the toast pops up. Your left hand pops up, and then you put butter. On the toast with your right hand, and then yeah, you just you do know. you
1: eat it then, or do you go get the marmalade, or oh what do God, you? Do? I don't even think <laughs> about the
2: next stage. That's crazy. T. I have to think of other moves based on the eating, and then yeah,
1: there's all. That's a really long dance. It's a long dance, <laughs> and then you also have the stuck window, right? I think that's the one of my window. favorites of
2: yours that stuck you've window I've seen. You do. Is, it's um, it's a it's a you know it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a staple. It is, you know, yeah. I rely on that move uh, quite often. I mean, I'm some gonna,
1: people are doing, you know, the what is it like the watering, watering the lawn, the sprinkler, the sprinkler, yeah, yeah like that's the, or the jump the rope, the shopping, shopping
2: cart one, the sh- yeah. There's so many. There's, there's so many, but you know, I, I can't really. You just have to come out dancing. Everyone who's listening, <laughs> let's just go dancing. That's
1: right. We'll have to go to the 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 soul night, the blind pig. One of these one of these days, <laughs> one of the DJs here um, does that. Um, I don't know. I've I I think it's like the first Friday or so. Anyway, well, I won't. We'll do it. Okay, we'll do it. We'll go, everyone. We'll do a Um, radio show of me dancing. So, but you're so that's pretty. You're, um, you're a person that's move, like you're a dancer. <laughs> I say that, even though I'm laughing, I say that in all seriousness. So You're a person that's moving a lot. So, do yeah. you have any sort of rituals before you start? Because writing is usually not you're moving, sitting down, right. you're not moving.
2: Your mind's moving. Writing is death. No. Writing is <laughs> not moving. Um, actually, I don't really, I'm, for whatever reason, I can sit for 12 hours straight and write for 12 hours straight.
1: And that's not something that's heard of right this is part of your process your regular tell us do you mind telling a little bit about
2: a lot of people have different you know rituals and process and and I tend to you know some people write for a few hours in the morning and then they do other stuff during the day and then they come back to it I tend to be more of a marathon kind of a person I like to block off like days in a row and just write for hours and hours Um, I have no idea why I like that except I, I do think that I'm I'm a, when I get into a project, I do stay very focused, sort of like tennis actually. Yes. I can play tennis for hours and hours. I've played in a tournament where I've played for like three days in a row where each day I had to p- you know be on court for you know hours, sometimes eight hours. but I didn't mind it at all. And I would just stay focused. NAMI moon. Physically <laughs> fit, mentally fit. <laughs> Emotionally strong. Right. I'm going to try and make a connection between tennis and writing, and it's not going to work. I don't, I don't think it's going to No, work. no. Yeah. No, the
1: ideas, they're flying around. Right. You're, hitting, you're bashing that. I think what, what I'm trying to say is I think... Uh,
2: I just I can stay focused on one thing for a very long time, and
1: I, and that's in- incredibly impressive when you think that you've just mentioned it's almost eight years, right. this project, and then you're saying, um, on average, twelve hours a day. On average, I would say it's more like eight, eight to ten. Eight to ten. Right?
2: If I, you know, whenever I have a day off, that's nothing to yeah. sneeze at. No, but I don't, I think what I about a think?
1: regular day? What about like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday?
2: Like, what about when I'm teaching? I don't write because, mm-hmm. you know, I teach Tuesdays and Thursdays. Hello to all my students out there, my 125 students. You should be doing your assignments right now instead of listening to the show. Um <laughs> When I'm teaching, I tend to not write. I t- tend to be focused on teaching. You know, So four days out of the week, I'm focused on teaching. That's and right. The- Hear that, English department.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dedicated Please hire writer. me
2: again. No, um, and, But the three days that I do have off, those are the days that I do the marathon writing. That's, pretty, that's why we haven't been able to uh, get drinks.
1: That's in right. A long time tea. That's so. right. That's right. Not drinks. You know, some Coca Cola or something. Right. Okay. Tea. <laughs> Cups Irish of tea. tea. Irish yes. breakfast or English, because <laughs> I don't. I like both equally. Um, okay. So well, what I want to do now is to kind of steer away from the the imbibing and in your bio, in your uh, it came up that this summer and, and we've mentioned it, you've been able to complete the collection, the twelve stories, right. and so. I think you said that it was at Yaddo where this last well, I, one was completed, right. what, what we had. You right.
2: worked on it and finished. Well, the whole book. Um, I mean, I went to three residencies back-to-back this summer. It started from May 31st, and I just got home when school started, basically. And so
1: and how so, did that impact the writing? Did that... Oh, it was uh, great. It was great. Talk
2: about focus. That's all I did. There's nothing to do except write. And where did you go? Like, what, the first one was a pl- uh, place called McDowell, right, uh, McDowell, the McDowell Colony. And that's in New Hampshire, and that there I was uh, for six weeks writing. They deliver lunch to you every day. Hmm. Every day, there's a guy named Blake who delivers your lunch to you to your studio the, every day. The lunch man. Well, he's so he's actually I think he's actually like a, a wooden spirit. Like he, I th- it, there's something very magical about Blake. But anyway, we'll, I won't go into that. He's an amazing, I, you amazing can if person. You'd like. <laughs> and so that was six weeks that was great i worked on a story that what i thought was going to be the final story of the collection i wrote 50 pages in those six weeks and then i went to another residency right after that with uh my boyfriend who also got into this residency called eastern frontier and that was on an island off the coast of maine um it was an island that you can walk around it in about Thirty-five minutes. It's a very small island, and that was sort of a rustic cabin made, of, you know. And there was no running water, so it's sort of like glorified camping. But it was so beautiful. We were just in the in the woods, and it, I just had a great time there. And again, very focused writing. Um, and that was, I was there for, we were there for four weeks. And then after that, I went to uh, this residency called Yado, which is supposed to rhyme with shadow. And I, I, that's how the name, the, 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 somebody made up that name and they, they thought it was funny that it rhymed with shadow. Was um, it like in the sixties when they made up the name or? <laughs> it was actually made up, I think by a, a young girl, I think like a six year old girl, oh, okay. um, but that was in a mansion. Is that in the one? The postcard. That's the that postcard. I think I sent you a postcard actually from McDowell. McDowell, right? Uh-huh. But yeah, is was a large mansion. There are a lot of like fainting chairs and large dark wooded furniture and
1: uh there was a dinner bell what is know. a fainting chair i know this is getting off topic of writing but yeah what,
2: no because it, i often adds, faint when i'm writing so this is important <laughs> it's a fainting chair is it's one of those long loungy padded cushioned chair with just the back
1: oh okay That's i see like one you might even find in in a psychiatrist's office exactly or? not um, that i would know what a psychiatrist right Who, how like, would we know I've, <laughs> I've never been in one um
2: and it, that was also great too um That was just really. I stayed in a studio actually where Philip Roth wrote Portnoy's Complaint, which was great. It was my studio, my writing area was inside this turret. Oh, Um, a turret. Yeah. And so if you look up, there's this dome ceiling with like a light fixture. He also wrote the book, uh, The Breast in that room, in that studio, and I'm convinced it's because of that dome. Of the, of the, tr- yes, of the dome, and then the right. ceiling fixture right in the middle, which kind of looks like a nipple. Can I say that on air? I think I can say that. Well done, Nami. All I'm, all I'm saying is, I was just very glad that they changed the sheets when I got there, and there's just a lot of masturbation and uh, portnoy's complaint. so I was like, oh, okay.
1: <laughs> right, hopefully they swabbed the deck, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Maybe. Wow. So so these, and, and these... These residencies—they're a really big deal. Like the you, when you say you've been to Yaddo, that mm. rhymes with Shadow, and thank you for actually telling me that—I'll remember that from now on. And and the McDowell Colony, um, it, people know what you're talking about. It's 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 a big deal. And and what are some of the the benefits for going? Did, did you find that you, there was a new community of writers oh, that you yeah. met or what? Actually, I mean, time? I, I met so many people, so many great
2: people there. And, um, and I, I met some great writers, and I, I was very happy to meet them. But in all honesty, I had no idea that I would meet so many um, uh, people of other disciplines, you know, like yes. artists and... and painters. T- painters, yeah. documentarians, and I just... I, it was so great to see other people's work and how they, you know, how a different um, genre, you know, how a different discipline... Um, gets expressed, you know what creativity goes through their minds and such. Um,
1: and did you talk about did you did you find yourself having these um off the cuff philosophical discussions about method and or was it like like fame? Was, like right. where you all started just doing something when you met for dinner, you just like like the high school fame, you know,
2: you were all <laughs> we started dancing for no reason in the middle of our conversations. Um no, it was it was we did have some but mostly we were just talking about whiskey and and dinner, and we were critiquing dinner and food, values, values, <laughs> dancing, a lot of dancing. No, there were some conversation. Then we, we would, you know, we would often have studio visits where people would, you know, open their studios and show their work, and so it was very. I don't know. It was a very fruitful, productive, fun um, experience. Did you share your work with anyone when you were there? Did you read? Or Yeah. yeah. I, there were readings on, in all three of them I read. Um, and then some people asked for stories, you
1: know, individual stories. I would share, We would share stories and such. Was there any change in the work? Like, did you did that change how you saw something or were the stories pretty set and you were just finding sort of not like-minded but people right. who understood what your project was about and connected to their own or um no
2: i not really i didn't change my work based on i mean i didn't really get that many com- i mean i got just positive comments no one was like actually wor- workshopping my stories right. but you know that i'm glad you asked that because um i had I was stuck in a particular scene in, in one of my stories, and I didn't know what the character would do. And the answer came to me when I was having a conversation with a Uzbeki choreographer who lives in Otterdam and he was in Yado, and he he spoke you know English well enough for me to understand. But he told me something, and it was we weren't even talking about. What my story was about, we were just talking about something, and then he said something, and I realized, oh, that's that's what I need to do. And he said something, and I realized, oh, that's that's what I need to do. It just sort of clicked yeah, into place. Right. And so, I suggest everyone to go find an Uzbeki choreographer
1: and talk to them, <laughs> or your own right. s- parallel of, of that. Okay, you're uh, you're listening to uh, WCBN FM, Ann Arbor. We'll be right back. Thank Welcome back. You're listening to the Living Writers Show, and today Nami Moon is in studio. Um, Hi. So, and we're so I'm so happy. The Royal We. Jesse, <laughs> <Well>, Jesse <laughs> the engineer, Jesse Johnston. Thanks for engineering. Oh um, Jesse. That's right. Um, okay, so we're we're moving into our final minutes that was so together. Fast. It goes fast, okay. doesn't it? So there's a couple of things that that I'd like to to talk about. Um, and and one of them um, is just uh, I, quickly going back to the story that okay. you read. What we had mm-hmm. just a, a question about the writing, the the because um, it seems like and what you've said, you're very conscious about. Um, you don't want writerly moves to be apparent, right. but you're very you're very careful in what you're very you're crafting this. you're very crafting. You're, you're crafting the script. That's my style. She's crafting. Okay, I'm sorry. it's good when there's a little singing um, in, in every show. A little bit. It's like, like an apple a day. Little. Singing, oh no, yes. no, no. We can sing the rest of the, the, the rest of the fifteen minutes. Um, there's no one here to stop us, right? Um, <laughs> but I I noticed, uh, that there were some, some parallels in the story that I, um, when you mentioned the Barbie doll head, okay. um, going down in the, 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 river of water in the gutter. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's, it's probably no accident that it's sort of like this, the water swooshing down in a gutter like right. that, and that it's a Barbie doll head and, and probably blonde and the woman in Benny's bed is blonde. Right. And, um, but then also later on, um, there's a moment when, and I hope, it's okay because people will eventually read the story, but right. maybe I won't. I don't think I'll be ruining anything. There's a moment. Plot spoiler. <laughs> exactly. No. Um, I know. Apologize if anyone's upset by this, <laughs> but I'm getting to a point in a roundabout way. Um, but and you say that you you attribute wings. Her hair goes mm-hmm. out in wings, and then later on in the story, there's a moment when um, Benny and June have had. Um, I don't know. They've they've gotten high, and Benny decides he wants to see um, the insides of June. Right, and so he cuts open her back and says, right. she said, what do you see? And, and, and she thinks that there'll be wings there. Right. He's, he or he thinks, says, yeah, you've got wings. Right. He okay. sees
2: wings. He goes, I, you know, I think you have wings. And so, that's, and then she says, well, doesn't everybody, which, <laughs> they're very, they're very high when
1: right. they're saying these things, but still it's a lovely, it's a moment of, of maybe spiritual importance about, are you saying something about angels? Nami? <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, I never actually, I didn't put
2: those two things together about her hair being splayed um, sort of like wings. I hadn't put that together, but it kind of makes sense. You know, I try to tap into my subconscious as much as possible. I try to not, um, you know, when I'm writing the first draft, I try to sort of uh, let go of that control of, you know, the conscious control that, you know, sometimes you, we can have. And I try to sort of just let my subconscious uh flow a little bit. Um, So it, I guess, you know, that, oh, that was no. what my so, subconscious was doing. Oh, I'm sorry. I well, wish thanks I could for say saying that because now
1: I, I feel like one of those annoying people that <laughs> year after year goes to the Faulkner conference and writes yet another <laughs> insightful commentary on Faulkner. Um, no, I oh, wish I could no. say that I
2: meant it, but maybe, you know, subconsciously I meant it. Maybe sub- yeah, subconsciously.
1: Right. But anyway. I, that's, I'm glad that's, you pointed that out. Yeah, now. that's okay. This show is not about making me feel better about <laughs> my reading of your wonderful stories. Okay, let's move let's Let's move along I also um, I I mentioned on the um, the email announcement of your of the show um, Nami that um, we would talk a little bit about your time as a criminal investigator and I want to know how does that um, how does that work (laughs) feed into your writing or was it one of those jobs that gave you the freedom to have an eight-hour writing day that you so you created that space for yourself actually um Criminal, I know this
2: might sound a little shocking to some, but with criminal investigations and English literature, which are very was what I was closely study, related they're actually very closely related because I was studying English lit at u c Berkeley and any English major can tell you that there's a lot of analysis, reading through lots of books and you know stories, and then analyzing, picking them apart. You know the themes, the voice, all this stuff. So, a literary detective, very much. When you are a criminal investigator, you get a, a, a huge case file, and you read reports of what has happened, the incident that has happened, all the witnesses, their statements, and such, forensics reports, and the, and you have to pick things apart and analyze everything. So it's, they're not that far uh, far from each other, these two disciplines. As far as how it uh, uh, influenced my writing, I mean, it, you know, it influenced it greatly. I mean, there's just... Um you meet a lot of people doing that job. You meet a lot of people under freeways, um, at, at <laughs> in the middle of the night. Under a freeway? Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, you meet a lot of people when you're trying to serve them subpoenas and you meet a lot of people when you are... Did you ever say you got served? <clears throat> I, no. <laughs> no. I never okay. said those exact words. Okay. I would just sort of hear hand the piece of paper and say like, I'm sorry, oh. you're served. I'm sorry. And then just run. Um... So you know, you're just exposed to a lot of different kinds of people, um, homeless people, to, you know, people who are addicted to drugs, people who are attorneys. <laughs> And people who are other you know, other and investigators. how these stories
1: are also overlapping, right? These different people's right. individual narratives are right. actually sometimes connected. Exactly, you so. exactly.
2: And there's not. I mean, you know, one thing I noticed is that there's some not that much difference between someone who's in prison and who's not in prison.
1: And, and yeah, it's, and what's right uh, and right right. wrong, like what people are being accountable right. for.
2: Right. And so, um, so it it definitely uh, was great for my writing and just. Not just for my writing per se, but more just for my thinking and feeling, and the capa- It allowed me. I mean, I think I was. In, I, I think I'm generally an empathetic person, but um, that job really sort of, um, you know, it tests your ability to feel empathy uh, for people and. Um, so stretches it in a way so you felt empathy for people that you wouldn't have imagined yeah, that you would yeah i would not have you know i wouldn't have known you know i didn't know until i did that job that i would What's actually an example feel of that like you know someone who's com- you know committed homicide or someone who's you know raped uh, you know and admitted to raping a person i mean it's very difficult to feel empathy mm. for if you don't know them it's very difficult to feel empathy um But part of your job would be constructing their defense then. Part of my job was to, I I considered myself to be an impartial fact finder. Mm. I never tried to take sides about whether someone was guilty or not guilty. This is
1: like your writing too.
2: Yeah, and sort of like my idea, not be judgmental at all. I am just looking for the facts. I am making sure that the police did you know everything correctly i'm upholding the constitution to make sure that this person gets a fair trial but you know in meeting people and meeting defendants and working with them and you know listening to their life stories it's you understand that that one act that they committed is actually just the final act of string of other things that have been committed unto them the unfairness that had been committed onto them. And so... The stories uh, behind the story. Right. But, I mean, you know, they do this one horrible, awful thing, and then you find out that so many awful things have been done unto them before this moment. Um, I'm not saying it excuses them in any way whatsoever. You know, if you're guilty, hey, you're guilty. And, and you should, you know, you're, you're going to go to prison. It for can't that. be
1: complete anarchy. Right, right. <laughs>
2: but um, it allowed me to understand just sort of the darker sides of people and how, you know, how some people go one way and other people go the other way. And that there's these
1: dif- different reasons yeah. that people have. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. That, those, that's definitely. It seems like informing yeah. your writing. So um, when my boyfriend doesn't do the dishes correctly, I don't get. I have empathy for him now, which I didn't <laughs> used to before. Well, thank goodness for criminal investigation. <laughs> it's, it has a good impact on domestic circumstance. <laughs> um, so uh, also, it seems like a lot from your from from your your bi- biography, um, Nami, and and what we've been talking about. There's there's many things that seem firmly outside of academia Mm -hmm. in a way. Um, So what is it like? What do you... Do you feel like you're... So you can speak from being a writer outside of academia and now firmly within academia mm-hmm. and the and the system that surrounds it, like the okay. system of prizes and and sort of residencies and right. so how is that is that changing the work at all or I this is a broad question yeah. you can just take a stab at it. if you not It's <laughs> it's definitely not changing the work. I don't feel that it's
2: changing the work. But you know, people need to know that like before I got my MFA, I you know I'd been I worked on that book for five and a half years before i got my mfa recently and so it would you know it would it would have been impossible i think to change the work too much i mean i was already on my path i feel like and the mfa program here was very supportive in making sure that i stayed on my path and finishing the project um as far as you mean like teaching is that is that what you're asking me like how has teaching affected my writing or
1: well that could be part of it yeah. it was more uh, like the community itself versus oh, a community that it sounds like you might have had in san francisco where you had right. a writer's group uh, the different uh, a different approach because it seems like almost a different uh, way of being in the world of mm. writing whether you're choosing to be a part of a or, or close right. to, affiliated with a university right. or or no, not i, I didn't Noticed that I mean I love my my
2: my little family here writers here I think they're great they were great uh, readers for me funny and personable and just really warm and very caring about my manuscript and my stories and so I really appreciate it. to me they were just as caring about you know my manuscript as the writers group that I had back in uh, Berkeley California so that did I didn't feel too much of a jarring effect there um, but what the MFA program did for me is just it allowed allowed me to focus on this book even more so because before I was working, you know, full full time job Right, right. And here they just, you know, totally take care of you. Michigan really took care of me. Yeah, it's two and years all of, with some yeah, time and money. Yeah, right? and it's so just it was just a great, great experience. Yeah. So I don't know.
1: And and but it also seems like these other experiences that were that came before, like the years before, like the five and a half years. Right. Um like the the writing wouldn't be possible maybe in a way i don't know I don't know why I feel like I'm trying to make a case for outside the ac- academy, yeah, even though here yeah. we sit
2: my tank my writing tank was full mm-hmm. when I came here, and so I had plenty of material to work with you know to finish this book, i feel um there is some there is sort of like a uh, a sterile quality in in academia you know where i'm not I'm not being st- you know I'm not under you, the freeways anymore right. looking for Or you, know.
1: you or you hear people say when they're doing readings like uh, I think when David Baker came through he's like oh you can recognize a story that comes from Iowa or you can recognize right. so there's that quality that's right. um, but you Uh-oh. but that that you don't feel, but you feel like that's not the case for, for I don't, you. I don't
2: think it is for me, but is that's, it time?
1: That's, it's almost time. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't, I, it, I don't think it is either. So okay. it wasn't like I was trying to get some. What are you saying? T? I know. What yeah. What am t- I saying? <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. No, but, um. but thanks for being on the show today, Nami. Thanks Very for much. having Thank me. Thank And for reading your upcoming collection. I wish you all the luck in You don't need luck. I need luck. Okay. Well, what are you yeah, good luck. Well, yes, okay everybody does uh, what would
2: you like to say oh nothing I was just gonna say uh nothing I was gonna (laughs) say thank you to Jesse Jesse Johnston yeah um for playing all my songs for me and and being tolerant of my
1: songs. (laughs) Well, thank you, Nami Moon, for for being on the show. Um, Yes, so stay tuned. Uh, Next next time we'll be back at 4.15. And um, thank you for listening, Ann Arbor. Um, Thanks for streaming in Seattle and maybe San Francisco.
0: The Daily Sports Report.
3: Puts it around the boards. Hensick is there. Puts it out in front. Shot attempt by Turnbull. He scores. Travis Turnbull took a bouncing puck in front and knocks it in the net. Wolverines extend that lead. It's now three to one. Eight seconds left to go. He was up it into neutral life. Five seconds left to go. Hentzik gets the puck. Sends it all the way in over the goal. And time is going to expire. The Wolverines have won it. The number seven ranked Michigan Wolverines with the upset at home over the number four Boston College Eagles in an exciting game here at Ice Arena. Hello and welcome to Daily Sports Report here on WCBN 88.3 FM Ann Arbor. I am Andrew Side, joined today by Mike Tobin and... John Zaccardelli, and let's get a little administrative business out of the way. Uh, today, uh, at um, the Myers in Ann Arbor, Saline, as we all know, we just head down Main. If you're in Ann Arbor, head down Main. We'll turn into Ann Arbor, Saline, go right over 94. And at that Myers today from 5 to 7 p.m., in fact, it just it started 15 minutes ago, Dan Deerdorf who uh, played uh, in the pros 74 to 83 remember he was here on the uh, 69 team uh, Bo's first team Uh, he's in the pro hall of fame Uh, he is having a meet and greet at that Myers and there'll be giveaways uh, from for different Michigan uh, stuff this is uh, apparel or whatnot I don't know what it is that's just what we're told but um yeah head on over there if you uh